The Keep Birth Wild podcast acknowledges the Wurundjeri people as the traditional owners and custodians of the land, sky and waters on which this project is produced, and we pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging. We extend this respect to all First Nations people on whose country we live, birth and raise children. We acknowledge the ongoing leadership, resilience and commitment of First Nations people who continue to fight for their right to safe and culturally appropriate experiences of pregnancy, birth and postpartum, and we commit to continuing to explore our own role in that journey. Lastly, we honour and celebrate the ancient birthing knowledge and practices that have existed on this country for thousands of years. May this wisdom continue to nurture life for many generations to come. Welcome to the Keep Birth Wild podcast. My name is Indy and through this series I'll be speaking to women who plan to birth their babies at home. Join me to hear home birth mothers sharing their stories of pregnancy, birth and postpartum. Thank you for joining me to hear part two of Sophie's birth story. Before we dive into the story, I've got a couple of changes that I would like to share with you all. I have created a new website, which you can find at keepbirthwild.com.au. On the website, every episode has its own page under the episodes tab, so you can find out more information about uh, the birth story, the birthing person, and some photos of them and their family. And there's also more information on the about page, just regarding why I started the podcast and what, what are some of the aims that I'm trying to achieve. The second change is that I've set up a Patreon page. Patreon is a subscription service which supports independent artists and creators to earn money from their work. I've put so many hours of work each week into bringing these stories and it's just an absolute pleasure to do so. But if you're listening in regularly and feel like you're getting value from the podcast and you can afford to spare a dollar or a little bit over a week, you are a great candidate for becoming a Patreon supporter. If you'd prefer to make a one-off donation, you can get in touch with me through the website or Instagram, and I'd like to stress again that this is entirely optional and only if you're able to spare that money. I love bringing you all the show so much, and if I got shouted a coffee or two each week through donations, that would be bloody wonderful. 25% of all Patreon subscriptions and one-off donations will be going to support the Rodanth Lipset Indigenous Midwifery Charitable Fund. Rodance Lipset's dream is for all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women to have improved pregnancy and birth outcomes by having the benefit of care from Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander midwives. They aim to make a contribution to both a better start in life and a closing the gap initiative for all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander mothers and babies. The fund is inspired by the stories from Indigenous women in Australia, New Zealand and Canada, where Indigenous midwives provide culturally appropriate care in the same languages as that of the women accessing care. You can find out more about the charity on my website or on their website. And yeah, it's really, really inspiring work, which I'm so passionate about and so excited to be able to support in some small way through your donations. So today I'm sharing part two of Sophie's birth story. If you haven't heard part one, I recommend scrolling down and listening to that one first. In this episode, Sophie shares about the pregnancy and birth of her third son, Jim. Sophie moved to a remote community in northeast Arnhem Land around the same time as she fell pregnant and soon discovered that having delivered her first two babies via C-section, she had very limited options in such a remote area. I'm going to leave all the details of this beautiful V-back story to Sophie, so settle down with a cuppa and enjoy.
Yeah, so <laughs> moving away from Oscar's birth, I mean, you mentioned briefly that um, when one of our friends had a home birth, that that kind of brought up brought up some big feelings about Oscar's birth. But, yeah, I guess kind of emotionally, where were you at when you made the decision or or perhaps once again didn't make the decision to, to have a third? <laughs> um, um, yeah, I knew that I wasn't over... I knew that I wasn't over the... A, the trauma of the first one and B, the disappointment of the second one. Um, and I knew that we did, well, well, yeah, we both knew that we did want another baby. Um, but this time we were thinking that we would adopt. We were thinking we were going down that route and we were, we'd started, we'd started the beginning of the process and we were thinking, oh, we might, if we could choose, we'll adopt a daughter this time. And, and, um, anyway, we ended up that ended up not being possible for many reasons. Um, and so once we'd let go of that idea, and we were a bit disappointed about that, but once we'd let go of that idea, we sort of thought, well, should we have another one then of our own? Like um, make, a, make another baby? And we weren't really sure about how we felt about that because of the well, because of bringing more children into the world when there already are enough. But we, but we just thought, oh, well, if it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. So we were camping when we conceived Jim um, and at Litchfield. It was definitely the best. It was, it was such a good camping trip. We were swimming in a... Um, I had, yeah, I had a moment with Bernie where I was swimming in a, well, it's so, so called, I'm not sure if it's true, but it's known as a fertility waterhole. Um, and when I was in there, I just had a feeling, another feeling that there was another baby in that waterhole that wanted to be our baby, son or daughter, I didn't know. Um, and Jack and I did make love that night and that was the night that we fell pregnant again with him. Yeah. Wow. You were living in Darwin, I think, by that time. So are we living in Darwin or had you already moved to Yurikala? We were in, oh, we were, yeah, we were in Darwin when we conceived, but we, we, didn't find out that we were pregnant until we'd just moved here into Yurikala. Yeah, okay, that makes more sense. And yeah, I imagine yeah. Um, being in a remote community, there's probably not very many options for birthing. So do you want to, yeah, explain, I guess, kind of what your options were and and mm -hmm. yeah, what's there about choosing care? I know it changed and changed quite a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it changed so <laughs> many times throughout the pregnancy, but... But here in, um, there's a town that's about 20 k's away from here, I think, about 20. Um, and it's called Nolanboy. And there's a hospital there which does, it does do births, but it only does low-risk births. So because I'd had two caesareans, I wasn't counted as low-risk again. Um, so 
I was allowed to have a birth there if I chose to have a cesarean, but that was the only way. And so I was thinking, okay, I was weighing, oh, and the other option up here is was to fly to Darwin. Um, but logistically that, that was pretty crazy. Like it would have, it would have cost so much money to fly all four of us to Darwin plus pay for at least two weeks accommodation. And I was expecting to go overdue. So it would have been more than that. Um, but in Darwin, they would have given me a chance to try for a VBAC, vaginal birth after cesarean. Um, but I was asking more about it and it sort of sounded like they weren't actually going to give me much of a chance. I would have been on a really tight time limit. And just from past labours, I sort of thought that wouldn't work for me. Um, and I would end up with another cesarean because of all the restraints and hospital protocols that were in place. So then the other option that I was thinking about for a while was to go down to Melbourne and have a private midwife and hire a stay in an Airbnb down there. But that logistically would be too hard as well. And then Corona hit and all the borders shut. So we, we could still get down there, but we couldn't get back up here easily. Um, so that was out of the question. So then it wasn't until, and we were, we were toing and froing between all those options the whole time. It wasn't until the last eight-ish weeks of the pregnancy that I started to really question. Oh, so up until, so about in, sometime in the last trimester, I decided, we, we decided that we will just go for a cesarean and we'll just not worry about it and and um, if I've got unresolved issues after that, I can just have counselling or something and just not think about it. We were just going to just do it and just do it. was the logistically the easiest option, even though emotionally and mentally and physically afterwards, it was the hardest. But, uh, but then something happened and in the last, eight weeks somewhere in there I thought no I'm not I'm not just going to have a cesarean that's ridiculous I'm not my there's nothing wrong with my body I'm not doing that and I was getting really angry about not being able to have any support in my um if I was to choose to have a natural birth not having any support I just thought that's a basic thing that every birthing mother should have other than Jack. Jack was obviously very supportive of everything the whole time. Um, so we ended up actually um, speaking to an ex-midwife, not a midwife anymore, um, and she, she was um, happy to we asked her if she'd be happy to be to give us advice um over the phone if we were to stay at home we told her all about what we were trying to decide and whether what she, yeah and anyway she ended up being happy she ended up being happy with that when she'd heard about me heard more detail about me 
And um, so we ended up deciding at the at the very last minute that we we'll, that we'll just stay stay here at Yirrkala. We'd done all our research and realised that there was just as much risk if I was to have a, a third cesarean as there would be if I was to have a vaginal birth after two cesareans. So we th so we sort of thought, well, if there's just as much risk having a cesarean, we might as well just stay here. Um, even though there was no midwife who could be with us. Yeah, it sort of sounds a bit crazy now, but at the time it was the thing that made the most sense. Mm. Um, yeah, definitely. And I guess the hospital being 20 minutes away, you always had, oh, sorry, 20 kilometres away, you always had that kind of backup option to go in if you needed, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And we also thought if something was to go wrong, it would take it would take the same amount of time from here to the hospital to get into theatre as it would if I was in the hospital and something went wrong. It would still take the same amount of time to get into theatre. So we thought, well, we might as well just stay here then. Mm. Yeah. And also they're, they were a, they're a low-risk hospital here. So the other thing was if a big bleed was to happen, um, it could be a matter of at least, well, they said it could be at least six hours until I can get to Darwin, depending on where the, where the um, emergency plane was. So, so I thought, well, there's no way I want to risk having a cesarean, which often can cause that to happen. I thought, well, I'm better off to go with a try for a natural birth, which has, which that risk, which has less risk of that potential threat happening mm. yeah gosh it sounds like you know just making decisions with just so few options in you know in all sorts mm. of um, with your care just having really limited options had to come up with a creative solution and um, yes. <laughs> yeah it was hard to make the decision yeah. But once we had made it, it felt really good. It was a good decision. We we were really happy with it and we were really excited to be able to try again and all of my fear and grief about potentially having another cesarean had left and I was feeling really healthy. I, it was the, the most healthy that I'd ever felt through a pregnancy, really strong and really um, connected with the baby as well. So I felt like we were all on the right track this time. Mm. Yeah. And what was it like preparing for a home birth at such short notice? And I, I guess um, I know you had to come up with a bit of a creative solution for the birth pool, <laughs> but, yeah, how was it kind of preparing your home and everything that you would need? And did you, yeah, not having a midwife bringing in supplies, was there anything kind of that you or your, the um, unregistered midwife that you had on the phone had kind of recommended to have on hand in case it was needed? Um, it was a bit tricky getting things together because because there's nowhere to shop for anything like that here. So we could have with yeah, we could have ordered things online, but mail here often takes about a month to get here anyway. So by the time we had of by the time those like supplies like towels or whatever we needed would have got here it 
potentially would have been too late. So we ended up having to be quite creative with those sorts of things. And we did make a birth pool out of a um, one of those um, uh, plastic, you know, those big plastic tubs that often have water or or chemicals, but the one that we had had water in it and it has a metal cage frame around the outside. I've forgotten what it's called. Yeah, I think they're called an IBC. Oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, so Jack cut the top off that and made put some wood around the outside of it and made it look a little bit nicer and easier to easier to um, lean on. And we filled it filled the bottom with sand. I think that might have been your suggestion, actually. Yeah. Um, we ended up we ended up doing that, and and then we just lined it with some plastic, and it worked really well. It was really really good. Um, and we just had to be creative with other things too. We we just had lots of towels, and it all came together in the end. Yeah, yeah. And what were some of the early signs of labour starting with Jim? So. Jack had planned to take, he just had, yeah, so he planned to take some time off work and he'd just started the first week of his time off on that Monday. And he took the boy, the two, yeah, the boys out to a river on Monday, Monday for most of the day so that I could have some alone time at home and just relax and just have, just put my feet up and just have some time with the baby and I while he was out I did check my cervix on my own and felt that it was um, dilating which I was amazed about because I was at 40 I was exactly 40 weeks that day that Monday and um, felt really really positive that wow this actually might be happening this time um, so when Jack got home, um, the boys, they had a sleep and I told Jack about my cervix and he, and so we, we decided, all right, well, let's bring this, let's try and bring it on. Let's see what, what can happen. So we made love and that, because that's, that's what worked in Oscars and it worked again this time, my contractions started to come regularly they were just light at first but but they were coming they were coming and um we all went for a walk in the evening out in the bush um to try and get things moving along a little bit or just just to keep things going actually not it not to keep them moving along but just to keep contractions and I hadn't told Jack yet that I feel like I was going into labour because I didn't want to get excited about something that wasn't happening but he picked up on it he knew um, and that night I went to bed really early because I just thought just in case this actually is labour I'm going to go to bed really early and it was good that I did because it really um, really took off when I went to bed. I think I might have got an hour's sleep at the beginning of the night, but then after that it really, really started, they started coming on strong and fairly close together, like too close for me to fall asleep between each one. 
And at first, I, the bats were really loud outside our window, so loud. And at first, I thought that I just wasn't sleeping because the bats were so loud and I was getting really cross about the bats. I was thinking, I was, I was going, oh, no, I'm in labour and the bats aren't letting me sleep. I'm going to be so tired again. This is not a good start. And then realised after a few more contractions, oh, yeah, actually, that's why I'm not sleeping. So... Um, so I was playing musical beds a little bit. The boys came into our bed and by by the time it was maybe midnight-ish, I was getting quite loud. So through every contraction, I was groaning a little bit louder, a little bit louder. And so I decided I'd, I'd rather move out into their beds since no one was in their beds anymore so that they could stay asleep. And when I moved out into their beds, I just couldn't sleep at all. Bernie's bed, I just couldn't sleep at all after that. They were, they were really quite strong and it was too painful to lie down. I just had to get up. And so, um, so I was walking around, just walking around slowly around the kitchen and the living room for a little while and then Jack got up with me and had it, and we were both really happy and excited at this, point that I was in labor and I felt like it was actually staying strong this time and we were just in a really good space together energetically we were really connecting and I just I feel like it, it was I think that was helping it flow really well um, and as it was starting to get lighter I tried to go for a walk out along the road out the front of our house and um, and I just, as it was sort of, it was getting lighter and lighter and so I felt like my, the, the disguise of the darkness was, it was hiding me, which I really liked, but as it got lighter, um, I felt too exposed, so I sort of, had to go back I just wanted to be really private I just didn't want anyone to know that I was in labor and I didn't want anyone to know our plan to have a birth here either I just wanted only Jack and the boys to know and that's it so really slowly slowly made it back to the house I, I've never walked that slow in my life but I just it 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 was like yeah labor that just slowed everything down, completely different to the other labours where I was feeling anxious and, and sort of felt like I had to rush and was a little bit tense. This time everything was so slow and relaxed but really strong and um, got got back inside and immediately felt like I had to be outside again. So this time I just decided to just stay in our yard, but just do laps around the house, just slowly walking. And a neighbor walked past and I was, I was trying to hide from her behind the house, but I was too slow, couldn't get there in time. And she caught me and asked me how, how I was. And it was then when I tried to answer her, that I realized how foggy my brain was and that I was, that I actually really am in labor. Cause you know, when you're in labor, you just can't talk. 
that's that's when I really realised how far along I was. Um, so Jack called our, I, I, I think I'll call her a, I'll just call her un, un, unregistered midwife, even though I was, I think of her as a very highly qualified, very skilled midwife. I think, um, um, I think Steffi, um, I think it's an American kind of thing, but Steffi uses it as well sometimes and, and calls them lay midwives, which I think um, oh. quite a nice term. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, lay midwife. Okay, I'll call it that. That's a nice word. Um, yeah, so he called her and um, she said, okay, yep, just call me back in a few hours after things have progressed. So we did I, and I was, I was in the lounge room on the ground, on a swag on the ground um, and suddenly my mucus plug came out and um and that was the point where that was one of those points where it was like wow this is actually happening again it was another another really reassuring point that everything is working well and picked me up again and and then my water started leaking as well and I thought wow this has never happened before amazing and I was so proud of myself and um and and Jack was really excited and and um uh our our lay midwife she she was just um just listening on the phone and saying how everything sounded like it was progressing really well and I wanted to hop into the birth pool um <clears throat> by then I was feeling like I was really ready and um <clears throat> And <clears throat> Jack, um, because of the the last two labours and Oscars, where when I hopped into the birth pool, he popped up out of my pelvis. He was telling me, "No, no, don't hop in yet. Just hold off. Just hold off. Let it let it progress a bit more." And I and I was saying, "Oh, but I really feel like I can. I really feel like he'll stay in there." And so we ended up consulting our lay midwife and. She said, yeah, of course, if you feel like you want to, then do it. And that was, um, that was really powerful in, um, it was a lesson, a lesson where I realised, or I didn't realise, but I remembered that, oh, this power is mine. I'm, I, it's my body. I'm the authority of it. I don't have to ask or consult anyone. If I feel like it's the right thing to do, then it probably is. So, so then Jack, Jack filled up the birth pool um, and I just, well, I didn't want to be left alone while he was filling it up. So um, I wasn't leaning on him like I was in other labours. In, in the other two, I was using his strength to sort of balance out my intense, pain whereas this time I felt like I needed to use my own strength to balance it out um but I still needed his emotional support and I still needed him to be really close to me the whole time so so I followed him down the other end of the house into the bedroom and the whole way we were laughing at 
uh, at me because he said I looked like an emu the way I was leaning forward over my belly with my hands on my back like little wings and my legs sort of taking such little small steps with straight legs and so it was really nice to be able to laugh and have light moments a lot in there and just feel like a a team and like it wasn't anything serious it was just this is a normal thing we're giving birth this is nothing nothing out of the ordinary um oh and just a little bit before that too we actually tried to monitor the baby's heart rate with um a monitor that we'd bought online and it was actually such it was really terrible i couldn't Jack tried it first and he couldn't find it and then I took over I took it and I couldn't find the heartbeat either and it was purely just because we were holding it in the wrong spot but it really panicked well yeah like sort of it made me feel really anxious and so we and I knew everything was fine I knew the baby was totally healthy I knew there's nothing wrong with me I just as soon as we used a machine and tried to use and and put put and brought myself into my head a little bit it just panicked me a little bit so we didn't we ended up not counting anything after that not looking on at the clock not not checking any dilation not trying to find the baby's heartbeat again we just purely listened to my intuition for the whole rest of the birth labor um <clears throat> so by the time the birth pool was full I hopped in and it was, well, it's always a hot day up here, but that day, I'm not sure if it actually was, but it felt particularly hot. Not, it might've been, it might've just been me because I was in labor, but um, our birth pool was out outside on the veranda, outside our bedroom um, and hopped in and it was such a relief. My whole body could just relax and I was sort of getting ready. I was, I was anticipating the next contraction and was sort of bracing myself for it. Um, and it was as intense as I thought it would be. It didn't really change the intensity, but it just felt like I could relax a lot more in between contractions. And um, as soon as that contraction hit though, I just felt so hot. Like I was about to explode. I just couldn't, couldn't handle it and so Jack quickly had to run to get a bucket of icy water and he was dabbing my forehead with with ice and a, t and a face washer and putting cold filling the bath up with cold water from the hose and I ended up just telling him to just tip the whole thing on my head don't dab me and um, but and then finally I felt cool enough to just be able to relax and that was when our midwife told us to, um, or told me to just, just relax, just give in, just let, let myself go, she said, and just go far, far away. And when she said that, I sort of, I listened, but I thought there's no way I can do that because I've never been someone who can meditate or, or just let myself go. I've, I've always, I've even found it always found it hard to fall asleep at night. Like I'm really not good at that, but, um, but I, 
was amazed that I got in really got into the zone and suddenly it must have been like an hour later or something um I was just gone like I remember Jack Jack his voice so he was just beside me the whole time just holding my hand or or putting face washes on my face or whatever I needed or giving me drinks of water I also couldn't believe how much water I drank so much um and and he um got oh yeah so he looked at looked at me at that point where I'd felt like I left and I could hear him asking me are you okay like he was uh, there was a bit of concern in his voice and I just couldn't answer I just didn't want to didn't want to try and bring myself back I just wanted to stay away because if I if I got out of the way I felt like the baby could come um so and and also leading up to the birth I was talking to the baby a lot by looking out over the horizon of the ocean and I told him the day before on that Monday I told him that I was going to go out very very soon as far as I could to reach him as far as he was out and bring him back into his body and out and back into our family and so at that point I really felt like I was doing that and um in hindsight, I should have tried harder to come back and answer Jack because he was a little bit worried that he'd never seen me like that before. But he soon, after another contraction, and I was, I, I kept coming back for each contraction, being present again, and, and I could think again, and I was there again. But then as soon as the contraction would stop, I was gone again. And so, so soon after the next one came, he realised that I was okay, but um yeah so so then um that was how that how I was in the pool for about maybe six ish hours and um after only a few hours in there I started to feel this huge pressure um in my pelvis I guess and my back just everywhere um and just like I really needed to push, um, but I just wasn't, yeah, I just, it was like I'd been, um, it was like suddenly through one of the contractions, I felt like I'd been kicked in the guts and it was like that feeling that you get where you could just go, oh, like, um, like you just have to, have to push and suddenly felt like that. But after a few contractions, I sort of, wasn't I was second guessing myself and wondering whether it was the right thing to do or not because I had no idea how dilated I was or no idea if I was close or and I'd heard stories about women pushing too early and then getting swollen cervixes so I asked Kylie and said should I be pushing now um and she's and sh again she gave me back the power and she said yes if you feel like that's the right thing to do then it probably is so so I did so I kept kept pushing through every contraction and um and the back pain was getting more and more intense and I was wondering whether it was posterior but then I so I asked my midwife about that and she said no it's it's normal to feel that intense back pain 
with the pressure as the baby moves down lower and um so yeah so I felt really confident that everything was going well and I wasn't I didn't think about my scar at all the whole time I that was my main concern about having a home birth after two cesareans that my scar might potentially rupture but the whole labor I didn't worry about it at all I didn't even think about it um and uh oh yeah so she she said that I should um try she could sort of see that I was getting a little bit sick of well just a little bit um like I needed a little bit more encouragement again my I was still feeling positive but I was getting really tired now and just sort of needed a little bit of an extra push so she she um she said suggested that I oh no yeah she suggested that I try and um move my I was I was absolutely roaring at that point like I was so loud I was sure that everyone in your car would have been able to hear me and um so she suggested that I try and be really quiet through the next contractions and focus my energy down on pushing which I wasn't doing at all I had I had no idea how to do that and as soon as I started to do that something just shifted and I just went oh wow that's I've been doing it wrong that whole time and that's how you do it and I finally felt like I was getting the hang of it and I wasn't wasting energy anymore um and Bernie had been coming Bernie was at um at our friend's house he Bernie and Oscar they were both at our friend's house coming and every time he he asked them to he really didn't want to miss the birth he would he Bernie he didn't want to miss the birth and he kept asking if he could come back so they'd bring him back every time he asked and he was just checking up on me and every time he came in I also felt like I had a new burst of energy because he was so excited and beautiful he was so beautifully innocent and pure and just brought this bright light in with him every time he came in and I just he made me smile and he'd he'd ask he'd be looking in the bath beside me for the baby and ask if it's there yet and it would make me laugh each time and just give me so much encouragement he was a perfect little cheerleader and so was and Jack was amazing as well he was really positive and strong just such a strong support um and so so I hopped out um no so um my dual my midwife she um suggests oh actually just before that I um could I was feeling I could feel the baby's head what I thought was the baby's head and I could feel that it was only about two or maybe three centimeters away from um from the from the exit from yeah and um so and I said to the midwife and Jack that it feels really soft and I wasn't sure if it actually was a head because of how soft it felt and she said oh it must have a thick head of hair and I sort of thought no it doesn't feel soft in that way it feels soft as in squishy and then I remembered what you'd told me about when you were birthing Alice and how 
you were amazed at how soft her head was. So I thought, oh yeah, it must be a head. Must be, it's, that, that, that would make sense. So there I was believing that, the, that I was fully dilated and that the head was really close and surely I was gonna give birth any minute. And, um, but no, so, so my midwife um, suggested that I hop out of the pool um, and just just let the gravity take me a little bit. And I was sort of saying to Jack, I was sort of saying, oh, I feel like maybe I might be in labour for a long time again, like I was with the other two, sort of starting to get a little bit down. Um, <clears throat> and so she picked up on that and and said a new position might be helpful, like maybe sitting on the toilet might be helpful because that's often where a lot of women can can open up. And she sort of explained that my contractions are a little bit further apart than other than a lot of other women. Like the whole time through the whole thing, my contractions were about four or five minutes apart. So she said, so my labours are always going to be longer than those women who have contractions that are two minutes apart. So, and I, and I said to her at the time, that's good. I want my contractions to stay that far apart because so, I was really enjoying the rests in between where I was just completely gone onto it, out into another world. Um, so anyway, when I got out of, oh, so when I was getting out of the pool, um, I told her that I couldn't, I told Jack actually that, that I couldn't do it. I felt like it was impossible, like all this huge pregnancy weight couldn't possibly could I just couldn't could, couldn't get out and I said that I couldn't and and the midwife she said um that's fine you don't have to and suddenly I realized oh she's not telling me to I'm the authority yeah I keep forgetting that and and that gave me a new energy again and it made me realize oh i'm actually the one who wants to do this and then i was able to get out so i got out and went into the lounge room again between between the lounge room and the toilet and sitting on the toilet and then when it when a contraction would leave i'd walk out into the lounge room and and um go on my all fours on the on the swag again and um at that point I was getting really really tired and really starting to um starting to feel a little bit it was starting to get a little bit dark in and it was starting to yeah turn turn into night and I was sort of getting sort of the fears of my other labours were sort of kicking in and I was worried that I was going to be in labour for another two more nights after that one. Um, so so um, the midwife, she she told me that, or she, she suggested, and so did Jack, that I try and really bring the contractions closer together. And that sounded awful. I just thought, no, I really, I'm enjoying the rests in between. They're the only thing that's getting me through. So at first I didn't, I didn't try. I just kept it going the way it was going. And then I got to a point a little bit later, not too long after that I, and I was sitting on the toilet because that was the place that I found I could open the most. 
and um, and I just said to Jack, I, I don't think I can do this anymore. I, and I was really starting to complain and really thinking that my body wasn't dilating anymore and that I thought the head's so close but it's not coming any closer. Maybe the baby's stuck. Maybe I can't do this. And so and and um and he and the midwife they both said to me that well if I was to go to hospital they probably couldn't do anything anyway and that was when I remembered again that if I went if I was to go to the hospital I'd be giving my power away to them and I'd be sort of looking for them as the authoritative figures to save me from my own body and I didn't need saving and something switched in me and as soon as it switched and I realized that I need to do this again and I and I got up off off the toilet and started shaking my hips in between each contraction and it really brought them together really quickly and and by this point Jack was out in the kitchen and the lounge room looking after Bernie because he was home for the night Oscar was still out but Bernie was home so I was on my own a little bit more really felt like I was in my power again and um off sometimes Jack would have to lift me up off the toilet because I wasn't I was so tired I couldn't open my eyes at all even though I felt like opening the eye contact that I did have with Jack was the only thing getting me through some of the contractions so I found it really important and and found it really um, hard when I got to the point where I actually couldn't open my eyes anymore and make that necessary eye contact with Jack. But, um, but so once I'd started to bring the contractions on really, I mean, on closer, um, the, I, I felt I could feel the head suddenly coming cl coming closer and closer and it and it was right there I could feel it right there and um and I and Bernie was there in the doorway he was watching me he was saying is the baby there is the baby there smiling at me and and I was roaring again at this point and Bernie sort of a, a couple of times got really scared and had to go out into the lounge room but then soon came back and and the last image in my mind that I have of Bernie and Jack was um, Jack holding Bernie in the doorway of the toilet as I was roaring, um, pushing this baby closer and closer. And then suddenly, which it was such a beautiful sight. I think that's the sight that, that sort of helped me at the last little bit. And it was when I, it was also when I started really enjoying it again, I, it was, it felt really good. It, I was amazed. It felt really, really good to be, to feel the baby coming. It was actually like I was opening and it was complete, completely, um, like it felt like it was completely ripping me apart. Like it was, it was intense, but I, but it wasn't pain. It felt really good. Um, and then suddenly as I thought he, he was crowning and my midwife just told me on the phone seconds beforehand to be careful once he crowns 
just to stop pushing once he's crowning um, so that so that I don't tear too badly. And just at that moment, suddenly the suddenly the ejection reflex kicked in and and I couldn't stop like it was like it it took over I literally couldn't stop pushing and and he um something really big and round fell out into the toilet and I stood up thinking knowing that it wasn't actually the baby but in a at that second I thought oh my god did the baby just fall out into the toilet and stood up really quickly didn't know I had that energy in me to be able to stand up but found it and um and was still in the same contraction and suddenly the baby shot out all of him all at once I wasn't wasn't crowning he was still fully inside me and then suddenly the whole thing just shot out and Jack luckily caught him before he landed in the toilet and passed him straight to me and Bernie was watching and he was laughing and so excited that he had a new brother and he followed me I walked straight down the hallway straight into our bed he followed me the whole way and he was sitting next to me stroking his head while I was holding holding him and had him on my chest and it was very very beautiful and we were so so happy and so excited and just in disbelief that we'd actually done it this time absolutely in disbelief amazing oh gosh i'm crying <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh such a sorry. beautiful story <laughs> don't be sorry that was such a beautiful story Mm. yeah <laughs> it was <laughs> it felt felt very very special Oscar was still at his friend's house but um but it was actually I, I really wanted him to come but it was actually really nice for Bernie to have that hour or so of bonding time with the baby before his little brother came in mm. as well yeah. and um yeah it was really beautiful and we just lay there in bed um breastfeeding I was breastfeeding him and we were probably lying in bed for just just looking at him and and I I sort of realized I, the excitement was so huge that I that I sort of realized at one point oh my gosh we're all shouting we're all like hysterically excited and all shouting at this poor little baby one of the reasons we wanted a home birth was so that it would have a quiet entry into this world but we're just like <laughs> over the top laughing crying everything and this in this baby's face and I sort of tried to calm the energy down again but then a couple of minutes later it was back up there again and <laughs> very funny yeah, and joyful welcome to the world <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's true he would have felt celebrated <laughs> um and, and was, how was the placenta delivery um that was yeah so so I um our midwife was still on the phone at that point and she I was asking I, I kept feeling for some reason 
for some reason I felt more anxious about that than I felt about the whole birth. I just wanted to make sure that the placenta wouldn't get stuck inside me after having such a beautiful birth. Um, so I kept us, we had a, we had a little, um, tincture from, from blissful herbs, a placenta release tincture. And I was asking her whether I should take it. And she just said, no, 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 just keep breastfeeding. You'll be fine. It'll, it'll come out when you're ready. And I kept asking, so should I, should I take it now? She kept saying, no. And I said, should I try and birth the placenta now? And she said, no, just give it more time. It'll happen when you're ready. And, and then I was saying, okay, I feel ready now. And she, she told me to um, just stay on the bed next to the baby and just sit over a bowl. So I did. And I was a little bit nervous about pushing something out again after I'd just shot a baby out and felt, I felt like I'd torn, um, but I wasn't sure yet. <clears throat> so, so the placenta came out pretty easily. I just had to do a few little pushes and, and it just came fully out, fully intact and beautifully and was very relieved that it didn't hurt when it came out too. And, um, just lay back down in bed, cuddling, cuddling our new little baby boy. And Jack, once it had, I think it had stopped pulsing by then. We waited until, until it had stopped pulsing and he, Jack cut the cord. I didn't want to cut it. I, I felt a little bit squirmish about it after, after everything we'd been through. And I felt squirmish about that. It was funny. Um, but very, very, yeah, it was amazing, the whole thing. And um, Oscar was back by then too, so he saw that part. Mm. Yeah. Gosh, so beautiful. And <laughs> it must have been such a just so empowering to finally have that experience after wanting it for so long. Yeah, it was very empowering. It was, it was sort of... It was sort of a lesson that I had to learn, I, I think. Like my, my midwife in preparation for this birth had talked to me about, um, about owning myself and owning my <clears throat> being, being in my power, me being the authority of myself, not, not relying on someone else to save me from situation, from difficult situations. And I think that talk, really helped I think something in me clicked and realized um realized that you're right I think I'm the one who well yeah I, I think it just I needed clarification about knowing that I'm the only one who can do this mm. yeah and it was very very powerful it felt like I i got all my power back and very healing as well. Very, it did, um, did heal me from, from the past births as well. But at the same time, as weeks go by, I, it also makes me feel a little bit guilty about the choices I made with the other two's births as well, knowing how normal and how um, simple births actually can be and that I can actually do it 
feeling like I, un yeah, feeling like it's unfair that one of the three got a beautiful birth and the other two didn't. Oh, all three of them get to have you as their mum. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so little Jim is six weeks old now. How has it been adjusting to life as a mum of three living in a remote community? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's been an adjustment, that's for sure. Um uh so my mum came up, Jack took three weeks off work and he was, which was amazing. This, this is the, the, uh, it's definitely the most um, supportive postpartum period I've ever had. And Jack has been absolutely amazing. We, through the pregnancy, I was telling him that I'm the most scared about the postpartum period. And he reassured me by saying he's just going to put himself aside this time and just give everything to the family and sure enough he he really did he really really just um gave us everything in the first few weeks so I felt felt so loved and so supported and um like I wasn't going without anything and uh, like still a little bit overwhelmed like I guess having to um well I wasn't learning how to breastfeed but I was getting the hang of it again and having to deal with not being able to sit down I wasn't expecting that after having two cesareans I just wasn't wasn't expecting to be so sore down there for so long it took a couple of weeks before I could comfortably sit down and that was sort of um, a bit of a hindrance on my ability to look after the baby in the way that I wanted to but um did you did you have any tearing um, with him oh um, I had I, yeah I did have one tear one like it was, it was fine. I didn't have to have any stitches, but it was on the verge where the, so the next day, the midwife from down, down here in Yurikala, she came to check on me and the baby and she had a look and she thought that I should get a stitch at least. Um, but the midwife, the, that we had on Skype, she, um, Zoom, she, she had a look at it. And she said that it doesn't need a stitch. So I went with her advice. I didn't, I really didn't want to go to the hospital the next day when everything was so sore and swollen. Um, and I did have quite a lot of grazing as well. So it has taken a really long time to heal way much longer than I thought and much longer than, um, according to the midwife, than it should have, it should have, she said it should have recovered healed weeks ago mm. yeah that's mm. rough <laughs> I yeah have, I had a tear with and it got a bit infected after Alice was born and it yeah it, it was really painful and took quite a while to yeah. that's sort of funny because I didn't really even realize it was infected it mustn't take very much mm. to, for that to happen so yeah it took a while 
Yeah, I think that's what happened with me as well. And and because I I thought it was sort of normal to take this long, I didn't realise that it probably is infected. Mm. And that's probably what's slowing the process down. Yeah. There's not, I guess, people sort of skirt over this part <laughs> with, when we're talking about births. It's, you know, like it's pretty raw to talk about but um yeah definitely I think it's helpful for people to know um yeah what it's like to recover from tears especially recover naturally and and yeah what's normal and what's not but yeah super painful I actually when Alice's when after Alice was born and my tiny little tear got infected it actually formed like a I don't know some sort of blister that needed to be lanced oh oh my god never been more painful than that it was so bad oh wow that would have been so painful oh my goodness it was horrific oh my i think it was yeah it was worse than crowning (laughs) oh my god ow (laughs) oh poor you oh yeah you know i don't know it's one moment. <laughs> you just get through it, don't you? You, you just, just have to get through it. Yeah. 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 Well, um, we might... Oh, and... Oh, you go. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, um, my mum and my sister also came up in the, in, the, in the last couple of weeks as well. So, yeah, so the transition from two to three has been a really gentle, easy transition. Mm. Gorgeous. Yeah 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 and are you guys definitely done with your three boys or are you still (laughs) like maybe there's another baby out there somewhere I know I've been well the thing it's really funny it's I'm so happy with my three boys I would never trade them for anything in anything in the whole world but in the last week I've really realized that I I'm actually really um, mourning the fact that I will most, well, yeah, probably definitely never have a daughter. So it doesn't mean that we're going to have another baby because I'll just end up with four babies. But that realisation of me sort of wanting another one but knowing that it's never going to happen has sort of just hit me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's tough, and yeah, I think there can definitely be grief around around having three yeah. of the same gender, and you never know, you might end up having six boys if you just keep trying, or or it could be a girl. I know exactly that would so happen. Oh, oh Jim's just woken up. I'd better go. Oh, yeah, let's can wrap things up. Well, yeah, thank you so much for making the time and. Um, sharing your story on the podcast it's just yeah it's such a special unique story and I feel like yeah I'm really mm-hmm. to share with everybody yeah thanks so much for listening mm-hmm. thanks for giving me that chance to share thank you for listening to today's episode with Sophie you can find some more photos from her birth on my Instagram at keepbirthwild.podcast and on the website keepbirthwild.com.au. You can also find links to my Patreon page in the show notes, and I'd like to give a special shout-out to my very first Patreon supporter, Danielle. Yeah, big hugs to you. I'd come and give you a big cuddle if it wasn't COVID. 
Um, But stay tuned for next week's episode. Bye.